It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56, presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Disaster in the Big Easy, at least that's the feeling amongst the fan base. College basketball's crazy. You know, uh, Duke lost at home to Pitt. Kansas lost to West Virginia. Granted, that was in West Virginia, but their net was 167. This is happening all over college basketball. That being said, the Tigers appear to have some flaws. They absolutely do. We're going to talk a lot about that with Jason Munns from the Commercial Appeal, the Tiger beat writer, uh, at the uh, second segment. Great NFL football this weekend. That's the way the Final Four game should be. And now we have the Final Four. It was a fun divisional round, no doubt about that. And uh, we will discuss that, get our picks updated for you. That'll come in the final segment of the show. I, uh, I, I, I think Memphis has got some flaws. I think they've got some injuries that have magnified the amount of flaws. Do I think they're out of it? No, I still think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. I would hope at this point you could still salvage a six because a six seed is basically a three seed, except for the first game. You get past the first game, you end up playing the three to try to get to the to the Sweet 16. So uh, I, I still think a lot of this is within the realm of the Tigers, but they're going to have to figure out some things, particularly defense. That is the biggest flaw. Now, I know you're all going to say, oh, Wallow is such a homer. I'm trying to be realistic. I'm telling you there are flaws, particularly on defense. But you yesterday were missing Caleb Mills, who's out for the year, the best perimeter defender. Who's the second best perimeter defender? That would end up being Jaquan Walton. Jaquan Walton had a quick 11 points in the first half and then hurt himself and could not play in the second half. So you're down Mills. You're down Walton. Jonathan Pierre, who hasn't played much this year, is the kind of player who could have played in the game that Memphis played yesterday because of style of play. He's quick, he's athletic, he runs the floor, he shoots the threes. Not not necessarily on the defensive side, but I think he could have helped you. He might have gotten some minutes that went to Jaden Hardaway. That seems to be, uh, at least on talk shows and message boards and all the rest, that seems to be the biggest crime that Penny has pulled here is playing his oldest son too many minutes. Now, granted, he was playing because of the Walton injury. Many are saying, why didn't Carl Sherenfant play? And apparently the answer is Penny just did not trust him in that game with that style with so much on the line. I got to tell you this, too. Nick Jordan got sick on the way to the stadium in the bus. He was not 100%. Naquan Tomlin couldn't see out of his left eye for the whole second half. That's why calls of plays were not going to him. It's not grisly, but it's close. When you're you're down, Walton, Pierre, Jordan's not really him. Tomlin can't see. There is no Mills. You're not the same team. Now, the other aspect is, I think, you have a point guard who's inconsistent, and you're 
backup point guard. Unfortunately, Jalen Young has not played up to the level that you thought he would. And when you talk about Javon Quinterly, I call him the conductor on the air in the games. I, I, I think the kid is capable of being a dominant player who controls pace of the game. But unfortunately, Quinterly is an inconsistent guy. You know, that's sort of what I think Nate Oates was hinting at at the beginning of the year. I, I don't know what it is because Quinterly clearly, even against good teams, can play unbelievably well. Sometimes he's just not there. And yesterday, good example of that is how do you let the ball roll all the way near midcourt with a guy there and then he ties you up? Fortunately, the arrow was going Memphis's way or that would have been another turnover, which would have been his seventh. Six turnovers for your point guard who had six assists. We know he can shoot daggers, but he does not have the consistency at directing the game that he should. So that is an issue. And then there's defense. And as great as David Jones is offensively, he does hurt you on defense. You have to put up with that because you need his O. But he goes for steals, and he forgets the defensive scheme on a team basis. Best example, the go-ahead Bucket yesterday was David Jones forgot to take his guy thinking he was going to get a steal, and Sion James ended up in the corner and hit a dagger three, and Memphis never recovered. Now, in between that, there was a lot of people think the biggest key to the game was a flagrant foul called on Javon Quinterly. Now, I have checked with my officials— they have reviewed the video. It's a borderline F1. If that foul had occurred in the first half before all of the emotion of the game, probably it's a common foul and only a common foul. But because of all of the tees that had already taken place and the emotions and uh, the scrum where you saw Ron Hunter jokingly shadow box with Penny and Penny did the same thing. Now, that was pretty clever and funny, and I think it diffused a lot of anger. But all that took place earlier, and it was close enough where my officials think that was the proper call to make. I'll be honest with you. Um I'm watching the ball. I've seen it on the replay. It doesn't appear to me to be that flagrant a foul, but I'm going to go with the refs. I'm going to I'm going to go with the guys who really know that make these calls. And they think because of what took place earlier that that was the call that had to be made. And that was a veteran crew there. That was Pat Adams who was the chief. You had uh Burdett and you had Lennox and um they're, they're pretty seasoned referees. So that was a call that was critical, but probably the right call. And so the Tigers fall, and they fall hard because that's two in a row. If you had beaten USF, I don't think you would have this sense of uneasiness. But because it's two in a row now, you're wondering how far will you fall. There are, I think, Seth Davis has voted because uh, our friend Jason Munz, who's going to join us here in a bit, he checks the voters. One guy has Memphis as high as 15. Some have them in the low 20s. Seth Davis has them out, and he's a voter of his top 25. 
I have a sneaking suspicion Memphis is going to end up 23 or 24. I sure hope so. I hope you don't go from 10 all the way out because you did lose to one really bad team. And one team, I don't think that Tulane is a bad team. They're, they're, they were 110 in the net. I don't think they're a bad team. It's still a quad three loss. But they're an underachieving team. That team was picked third in the conference. They have not played to their expectations. And it was crazy yesterday. They snapped a streak that was the first ranked team in 53 attempts going back to 1999 when they beat NC State in a in a game. They had lost to every ranked team since then. They hadn't beaten a top 10 team since 1983. That's 41 years ago. Holy mackerel. Um, and so they stormed the court. And we'll get into that in a little bit. I, I, I think they did a pretty decent job with security and not much better than they did in the girls' game at Ohio State. And we'll get into that in medals. I'm sitting in the Family Leisure Studios. And a reminder, all the floor model patio sets are priced to move. The wicker sofa sets under two grand. They got the closeout little patio cushions. They're as low as 25 bucks. You can get pool tables under $1,500. You want theater seating? They're making it affordable. $2,000 and under. The four-person hot tubs under five grand. And they've got 25% off on all the saunas, the traditional steam, or the infrared. All there for you. If it says floor model, you're saving at Family Leisure. All right, we do a thing on Monday, Zach Boyd and I, we call them precious medals. My first bronze medal goes to Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers quarterback. He has been called all year long a front runner. Great if the if the Niners get ahead, and most of the time they do. Not so good he hadn't had a comeback win yet until the weekend. He threw for 252 yards and a touchdown, no picks. And he was the guy that was the architect of the comeback win over the young Green Bay Packers, whose future looks pretty darn good, doesn't it? Brock Purdy got a comeback win. He gets a bronze medal from me. And now they are in the NFC Championship game. That'll be a humdinger. The Niners and the Lions. I got to give a silver medal to Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. That's the combination. Yes, the Niners won a big game. We'll get to why they won the big game when we get to the Rusts. But Mahomes to Kelsey had two touchdowns in that game. The second touchdown was the 16th hookup in postseason between quarterback and receiver. That 16th touchdown together is now number one all-time in postseason play. They passed by Tom Brady to Gronk. That's pretty good because that combination, Brady-Gronkowski, that was 15 touchdowns. Now it belongs to Mahomes and Kelsey. You know who's third? That held it for a long time was Montana to Rice. That was 12, and now it's been eclipsed. And there's at least one more playoff game coming for Kansas City. So history made there. History made by Tara Vanderveer. Gold medal 
for the Stanford women's coach, who's now become the all-time winningest college basketball coach in history. When her Stanford team beat Oregon State yesterday, it was her 1,203rd win. That passes by Coach K. So Mike Krzyzewski... You are no longer on the top rung. The winningest college basketball coach in history is Tara Vanderveer. That is quite an accomplishment. And I don't normally have two goals. I really do not. But I had to have this time. Because that's history, right? She gets a goal, but so does Nick Dunlap. First of all, Nick Dunlap has made some history. He and a guy named Tiger are the only two guys that have won the junior U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Amateur. And Nick Dunlap, who's 20 years old and a sophomore at Alabama, maybe, maybe he's still going to be there. He won the Amex PGA Tour event in La Quinta. used to be the Bob Hope Desert Classic. So he becomes the first amateur to win on the PGA Tour since 1991 when a guy named Phil Mickelson won the Tucson Open. So here's the guy who's the reigning U.S. amateur champion who wins a PGA Tour event. Now, he does not get the $1.5 million first prize. But he's already, as the reigning U.S. Open champion, he's already at Augusta, he's already at the U.S. Open. But he could play in all those signature events for the big bucks. He could turn pro and get two years of PGA Tour eligibility if he cashes in right now. He's already got entree into Torrey Pines this week. That was on a sponsor's exemption because he's the reigning U.S. Amateur Champion. Will he go pro? It's hard to turn down two years of PGA Tour card eligibility. Especially with the way the setup is now, you got to go through either through Q school, or you got to win on the amateur, uh, the, on on the minor uh, circuit. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I would not be shocked if he ended up turning pro. He is the seventh amateur ever to win a PGA Tour event. The first one was 1945. You know who that was? Memphis's own Dr. Carrie Middlecoff. And then in that same year, by the way, and I thank Brett Norsworthy for reminding me of this, in 1945 at the Memphis Invitational at Chickasaw, which only lasted a couple of years. It was really the precursor to the PGA Tour stop here in Memphis. Um, that event was won by a guy named Fred Haas. That was the tournament, that amateur won that tournament that was Byron Nelson's uh, ending of his 11 tournament streak, which will never be beaten. So that's that's incredible history, just like what Nick Dunlap did. Shot 60 on Saturday at at La Quinta. That, that, it's just amazing stuff. And I, I've got a feel. I don't know how you pass by two years of eligibility when it's so hard to get on the PGA Tour in this day and age. I, I wonder how, how long it'll take for the Saudis to invite him to live. We'll see about all that. But that is amazing. Those are my two gold medals. Zach? Yes, sir. My bronze medal, and 
typically I, I reserve bronze for the upset specials uh, in college basketball, but these two specifically, uh, obviously against the Tigers, USF, Tulane. Uh, You're giving them a, a bronze medal. I'm giving them a bronze medal. Okay. Because they knocked one. They 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 did what they supposed to. Unranked team knocked off a ranked team. That's number one. Number two, they they have they have well. I mean, I think the last six or so games, the Tigers' flaws have been exposed. But they're the only two teams that have been successful in this stretch. So I got to give them their flowers for what they did. Okay. Uh, my silver, sil- my silver medals here. I'm giving it to one organization, and I think this organization has been through a lot. Unfortunately, it's not my Dallas Cowboys, but it's the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Making it to the uh, NFC Championship game for the for the second time in their franchise. This is the first time since 91 since they made it to the NFC Championship game. So kudos to the Lions, to Dan Campbell and the crew. Uh, you guys deserve it. Deserve the entire season. They played great football all year. They sure have. And then my gold, I'm sticking to the NFL, and that's I'm giving that to the MVP of the NFL. That's Lamar Jackson, four touchdown day. I mean, you can tell like this dude has a different gear than all the other quarterbacks in the league this year. And he played it. They got to the championship game, and now they face the Chiefs. If they knock off the Chiefs. Could very well safely say that you, Baltimore might win win it all. I would say quarterback is the most important position of any team sport, honestly. And Jackson seems to be a notch above everybody. And you're talking some great players. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a terrific quarterback. There's no question about it. But this, this uh, Lamar Jackson has elevated himself, I agree with you, to new heights. I have two rusts. One, to Buffalo kickers. I, I feel so bad for Tyler Bass, who just, as he said, kicked it well, did not judge the wind well enough, and it was in his own home ballpark. He should have known better. The wind blew from left to right, and what's the biggest curse for Buffalo? Wide right. Remember Norwood? The kicker that missed a couple wide right. They called them Norwide. Buffalo has this curse of missed field goals in critical times to the right side of the upright. And it cost them in this game. We might still be playing in overtime. Who knows? That game was so good. So, uh, I think, efficiently executed by both teams. And yet, a missed field goal gets San Francisco into the NFC title game. Tyler Bass and that legacy in Buffalo, wide right. That is a rust. And to the Ohio State fans who stormed the court, the girls game. They had 18,000 fans there. That's the largest crowd, I think, this year at a women's basketball game. And upset special, the Buckeyes beat Caitlin and uh, Caitlin Clark and the Iowa Hawkeyes. And, and you can't blame the fans. They love it. And I'll get to, in a second to how good a job I thought they did in New Orleans. Because they knew this was coming if they beat the Tigers. But the, did you have you seen the video of this girl going right? Neither 
The, the fan rushing onto the court, nor Caitlin Clark, saw each other coming. And it knocked down Caitlin Clark where you thought she was really hurt. It ended up just being the wind knocked out of her. And she was pretty eloquent in her post-game address saying, you know, she can't blame fans. It was a great win for them, but they got to be more careful. And that could have been dangerous. That could have knocked her out for the year. But fortunately, it did not. Now, I'll give the folks in New Orleans credit. They actually made the space. There was It was all blocked out, and they decided they're going to let them on. And they made enough space so they had to come sort of on orderly, so it wasn't crazy. The crazy thing was some fan patted David Jones on the back, and he took exception to that. I don't think there should ever be contact. They probably, and I heard Eli say this, and I'm in 100% agreement with him, you should make sure that the opposition team is off the court before you allow the rush. They didn't do that in New Orleans. Fortunately, there was nothing crazy like what happened at Ohio State. But I give the Ohio State security a rust for not being more careful. And I think also, just to kind of add to that, the uh, uh, Tulane Athletic Department, they said that they're going to reinvestigate uh, the court storming issue as well. So well that it doesn't happen again. I don't know. They're, they're not going to have know, to worry about that the rest of the year. Uh, I think FAU is already there, right? Didn't they? They came really close to beating FAU. Yes. And there was a phantom foul call that, that the place went crazy for, and FAU was basically given the win there. Um, could have happened with Memphis. It wasn't going to be repeated because I don't know. I was screened out. Jones on the block. Was he fouled uh, on his second attempt at the buzzer? I don't know. Uh, but I thought it was a foul because I, I heard uh, the whistle blew. I was like, well, is that a foul? Did they call a foul? Was yeah, it was the no. horn. <laughs> no? No. I don't know. I, I did not see, to be honest with you, and I don't think they were going to do that twice to Tulane. I really do not. So, um I, I, I don't think, though, that you're going to have to worry at all about any kind of storming of the court at Tulane again because they're not going to play any more ranked teams. Yeah. That's it? Uh, I have one. I, I don't know a lot. I don't know much of it, but just kind of on surface level, it's, you know, I'm like, why? It's like, what's the point of us doing this? The NCAA going to court for one, not for one, the transfer rule, and then also the NIL uh, situation. I think they 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 just went to court. I think they had a trial like this uh, last couple of days. A couple of the student athletes came in and gave their testimonials on the situation with the NIL stuff. And I, in my mind, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, man, if you just just let these student athletes just get paid and just regulate it. Then everybody well, that's will be that's fine. the key. Regulate it. That that's that's the key. And the way you're going to end up, I think, regulating it is you're going to have to make them employees, and they're going to have to pay taxes, and uh, you're going to end up giving them a share of the gate or of television revenue or a combination of the two, and you're going to have to have some sort of structure in there because it's crazy, way out of control now. I'm a, I'm in agreement. I don't think there's any doubt. The pay for play is here forever. The toothpaste, as they say, is out of the tube. But how they end up getting paid and some form of regulation that isn't free agency at all times, because they they did did pass rules now where you can enter the transfer portal just about every year, it seems to me. So you're going to have to have some regulation on pay or you're going to have anarchy. That is still uh, a debated uh, formula that has to be figured out. And those are 
our medals. I know you're out. You probably drank your sorrows away after that final horn in New Orleans yesterday. So head to the spirit shop at Poplar and St. Nick. That's 4848 Poplar to be exact, right at the corner. At Little Log Cabin, you've passed by a million times, right down from Clark Tower. You've seen it. You've wondered. I've heard Wallow talk about it. How how does how much stuff can be in there? Go see Eddie Connor, and you'll understand the genius of how he is able to get as much stuff in there as he does. Spatial engineering, I call it. It's amazing. And he will educate you. You walk in there, you ask about a particular product, he knows everything about it. He knows the history, how it started, uh, where, it, where it came from in price. It could be a middle-of-the-road thing that became really expensive. He will tell you the up-and-comers. He will explain it all to you, whether it's bourbon, whether it's wine, whether it's a local beer. He's got it all at the Spirit Shop. We take a break. When we come back, Munzee from the Commercial Appeal is front and center. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Yes, our title sponsor is Genesis of Olive Branch. We're so proud of that association with great guys like Chris True, who's over the whole place, or the guy specifically in charge of the Genesis cars. That's the crazy Canadian I'm so fond of. Um, go see Vinny. His name is Vinny Gerard. He will tell you all about this great deal they've got on the SUVs, the GV70, the smaller one, the GV80, special incentives on financing, and you know these SUVs. Most of the time you get an SUV, it's a little rougher. You're up high, but you like that, and you like the speed and everything else that you get with the SUV. With the Genesis cars, you get that luxury ride, too. It's terrific. Go see Vinny and ask about the GV70 and the GV80 at Genesis of Olive Branch. And this portion of the show is brought to you by the Eflin Insurance team. Matt's got a philosophy. It's get to know you so I can protect you better. And that's what the Eflin Insurance team will do. They'll sit down. They'll get to know you, your family, what's important, what's your budget, and then they'll protect your home home, your car, and your future with life insurance. Now, if you've got a small to mid-sized business, again, the Eflin Insurance Company is there for you with the same philosophy. They're going to get to know you, your product, your employees. They'll even forecast your business down the road a little bit. What's your budget? And then they'll find the perfect commercial insurance for you. All you got to do is call 901-386-GUR. That's because they're Tiger fans. 901-386-4777. Get protected the collaborative way. Get protected with the Eflin Insurance team. We head to South Haven. Our good friend, the beat writer for the Memphis Tigers at the Commercial Appeal. That would be Jason Munz. All right, Munzee, tell me. You are the best barometer for this because you investigate. How far far will the Tigers fall after losing two games and reaching that pinnacle of number 10? How far will they fall in the AP poll in about an hour? I... I think it's probably going to be very close. I think it, I think they're going to be right on that fence of uh, of of you know like twenty 
four, twenty-five, or, or maybe even just outside mm. the um, the top twenty-five. And, and you know, I do. You know, some of these voters will publish how they voted early, um, and so I've looked around and I've seen uh, I've seen kind of across the board. I've seen a couple of voters who took them all the way out. I've seen one voter who. Uh, had them at 24, and I've seen one who had them at 15. So um, it's kind of hard to gauge this week what you know what everybody else is going to do. I think there's 60 something voters. So um, yeah, I, I mean it's 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 just it's I mean like it's you know it's a it's a quad three home loss to South Florida where you were up 20 yeah. in the second half. And it's a quad two lost on the road when you were up seven in the second with like nine minutes to go, um, which you know that's not like a that's not a collapse by any stretch of the imagination. You're on the road, you're playing a quad two opponent, seven points with nine minutes to go. Like that's not a that's not a thing that that I think people will go crazy over. And honestly, I was having this conversation with somebody yesterday, you know. Memphis was yeah, Memphis was up twenty in the second half, but it was like eighteen and a half minutes left in the game. It wasn't like it wasn't like there was eight minutes left and they were up twenty and somehow they lost. It was a gradual, you know, they pecked away and pecked away, and South Florida did and came back and won. Uh, but no, you know, obviously no excuses. It's still a twenty point second half lead that you blew at home against a quad three opponent. So um, I could I could honestly see it. It's going to be close. Uh, in my in my estimation, I think it's going to be pretty close. But um, but they yeah, like their their resume is certainly taking a hit this week oh, or last had, week. Oh yeah, I, I I don't think there would be as much despair. I think that's the best way to put it yeah. uh, amongst the Tiger brethren here if they had won the USF game, if they had held on to the twenty point lead, and let's say they won by ten or twelve points. I, I don't think there's the uproar there is because this nope. was, uh, uh, I think, a quality team that has underachieved for most of this year uh, that may be coming together. He has only got six guys he can really play, but those six guys are, are, are pretty good athletes for sure, and they do play together. And um, give me your take on what occurred yesterday at Avron B. Fogelman Arena. Um, just uh, awful defense uh, again. Um, they, like they've got serious problems on defense, you know, like it, it, I, I thought it was go- like, I thought they had maybe figured something out defensively, uh, in the first half, like cooling comes out scorching hot. They go, they go three for the first three from the field. And then they finish the first half, something like three of 18 or something, uh, of their next 18, uh, you know, they were like six of 21 in the first half. Um, and I'm thinking, wow, Memphis has figured something out maybe defensively here. Uh, Malcolm had six blocks in the first half, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, uh, they, they've, 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 this is a good matchup for Memphis. Like, um, but, uh, and then the second half comes around, and they kind of go back to what we've all been seeing for the past few weeks, which is not. Uh, not a lot of good defense. <laughs> um, so, I, so there was that. There was you had Jaquan Walton with a rib situation, and he couldn't play the second half. Naquan Tomlin gets popped in the eye, and you know he doesn't play as much as he probably would have. We if, said he couldn't see, for, right? I mean, that's why they yeah. weren't calling plays for him when he was in. Right. 
Yep, that's exactly what Penny said after the game, is that he, he said he couldn't see, and I think that's part of the reason why you saw Ashton Hardaway in the game late, um, taking that taking that uh, you know shot at a critical juncture um, with under a minute left. Um, yeah, but it, it was just there was a lot of things that uh, I think led to uh, led to what happened yesterday. Um, you know, it was chippy, got chippy there in the first half, and you know, then you, I think that sort of raises the um, spidey senses of the referees and. You know, you get a borderline situation where Javon Quinterly is maybe doing some extracurriculars and they end up this one and that that factors into the whole thing. And there's a tech, I think Jaden got a technical and, you know, like, uh, I don't know. It, it, it just, and oh, I, I mean, I should also mention, see, I, I think, I don't know if I said this to you earlier when we talked earlier, but Jonathan Pierre not being there yesterday, like, no, no, no. You, we, we. I, I, I'm with you. I, you tell me, am I a homer when I point out that you didn't have Walton in the second half? And the guy scored 11 points in the first. Yep. Uh, I'm not sure that Ashton Hardaway would have been coming in to shoot a three at the end of the game or toward the end of the game if no. Walton is is there. You Correct. have no Mills, right? So right. Th- there's your two best perimeter defenders on a, and the biggest flaw on this team is. Defense, I think we're all in agreement there. You had no Pierre. Nick Jordan was sick. He was not himself. I, I like to say that, it, you know, I, I want all these Jordanes out there. Because his mentality, his analytics of the game, everything that goes with it, he's a great kid. I, I, I love the way he plays, but he was not himself yesterday. And then right. you didn't have the vision for the second half of Tomlin. I mean, it's not exactly Grizzly-like in terms of injuries, but it's close. Yeah, I mean, it, it. You know, you never want to. Nobody's ever gonna. I don't think ever, ever gonna say. You know, that's why things happen the way they happen. Uh, you know, nobody likes to to. You know, uh, say that injuries are are part of it, but you know, it's reality. <laughs> I mean, it is like Jaquan Walton. Uh, had he not had whatever issue he had with his ribs um he had the hot hand yesterday i mean he he had three three pointers in the first half and that's not to say that he would have stayed hot in the second half but um i think you like your chances a little bit better with him on the floor the way he was playing yesterday uh than than you know ashton hardaway a true freshman who doesn't play very much who had not played hard? Who had not played hard, hardly at all um, in that game yesterday, and then has to come off the bench in a in a very big spot because Jaquan Walton's hurt and Naquan Tomlin can't see. So, um, yeah, it's it's it, it's reality. It plays a part in it, but certainly, uh, it it's you know if they played a little bit better defense. Um, I don't think they're even in that position. To to, to me, if we're looking for flaws with this team, right? Because they got to get their act together. I I, I hope you, they can fix the defense. Penny, I don't believe has ever really had to midway through the season spend that much time on fixing his defense. He's usually been pretty efficient in that regard. So this is a new challenge for him. But the other aspect here, for me anyway, is inconsistent point guard play. 
I, mm-hmm. I don't see Jalen Young being the best backup on a consistent basis that Memphis has ever had. That's one. And then two, uh, as much as I love JQ, and I do, and I, I've seen the guy take over games. I call him the conductor for a reason, but he's not consistent. And last night, yesterday, excuse me, he, he had a bad game. Six turnovers in that game. Could have been a seventh. He was lucky that he let that ball roll all the way to midcourt and it got tied up and the arrow was going oh, the Tigers' man. way. Or that's seven turnovers. Oh, man, that was... I, I just I was cringing the entire time that ball was rolling, and it was just like when I think it was Forbes when he laid out for it, it was just like oh my goodness. But no, you're 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 right. Um, you know, Javon Quinterly. I, I think I think you. He's he's he's. This is not even a question. He's overall a net positive. Like, oh yeah, no doubt. He, he's a hundred percent a net positive, but he's he's he's. He he has uh, lapses, you know, like six turnovers in a game from a point guard who's like a what a fifth or sixth year uh, college player that that shouldn't that shouldn't happen, um, you know. And I mean, he, I think he had nine points and maybe six assists um, and, and everything, but he, he leaves he leaves a little bit too much to be desired on the uh, defensive end and. Um, and so, yeah, it's just like the fact of the matter is this: when he is not, when he's off or he has a bad game, um, it's not. It's usually not good. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a way to, you know, if if you tell if you can tell early that he's going to be that he's going to be off. If there's a way to to like sort of work around that, uh, maybe that's something that you know Penny and the staff is going to have to figure out. Uh, moving forward, but um, but yeah, it, it's it's uh, it, it certainly uh, doesn't help when Javon Quinterly is is off. And um, let me give you some props, Jordan Brown. You were the only one apparently kept in touch with his dad, knew what was going on. Uh, a- excellent journalism by you. You called you. it Brown is back, and now how will that affect this basketball team? Uh, do you do you think there's anything with the chemistry issues that were being talked about that lead back to Jordan Brown? Do you think he plays against UAB next week? I can understand why he didn't play in this game yesterday. He did look like he lost some weight. In fact, he told me he lost seven pounds. Yeah, you're, I was I was I was sitting there just like, oh man, go Ola, because <laughs> you and I were talking and uh, and and you got right in there and and asked him about his uh, slimmer physique and yeah, he said he said he's down about seven pounds. Um, which is a little bit surprising because uh, he looks like he's down more. But yeah, I agree. I, I um, thought he's down fifteen. Yeah, but uh, yeah, no, I think he'll play against UAB. Um, I was a little bit surprised because I had talked to some people who told me that they thought that he would play yesterday. Um, but you know, Penny said after the game that you know he hasn't had any like significant five on five reps yet, and he wanted to still kind of work up to work up to you know. Uh, getting into a game so uh, they have a week off now i think he's going to get enough uh time on the floor with the team that, that, that he'll feel comfortable going in um I, I do not think that all the chemistry stuff that penny was talking about uh after the the south florida loss i, I don't i genuinely don't don't believe that uh that has anything to do with jordan brown matter of fact i think that 
they were more unified than that. That like you know when they had the players only meeting um, to to with Jordan uh, to to like talk about him coming back. I think that unified them more than they've been unified probably at all all season. Um, I think you know Penny has said this time and time again. The chemistry issues have been going on all season, like mm-hmm. even before Jordan, even before Jordan left, um, and certainly while he was gone, they were still they were still lingering. Um, so no, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's anything. You know, I think there might be still some guys who are a little uncomfortable, uh, awkward a little bit. Um, you know, having Jordan return to the team after he left for so long, um, but I think you know these guys are all veteran guys, experienced guys, and I think uh, uh, based on what I saw, the way he interacted with his teammates yesterday before the game and, uh, you know, talking to people behind the scenes, I think that he is, uh, you know, it, there's no awkwardness from, from what I've heard. Well, sure lit a fire over Malcolm Dandridge. Uh, Didn't it? Yeah, he played inspired he, yesterday. He played the best game of his collegiate career. Unfortunately, yep. it was in a, uh, with an L. Um, right. But uh, if if he can play like that the rest of the year, and Jordan and Tomlin, you know they're going to return to form uh, up front. Memphis is going to be fine. They got to fix out the they got to fix the defense and more consistency at the point guard position. I think uh, comes to my mind as the most uh, two significant areas that that have to be better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think you're absolutely right. Uh, I think the front courts and and you know as you said, if Malcolm can continue to play the way he's been playing. I mean, eight blocks is just that, – that's a mind-blowing stat. He, by the um, way, said they missed two blocks. I told him they'd have to review the film because if he got to 10, that would be the, the school record. Uh, both, it would be. Both Keith Lee and David Vaughn own nine blocks in a game. Uh, he's with pretty good company at eight, but uh, eight eight is where it is at the moment. Yeah, it's uh, – I mean, you know, like he's, he's – the, the work that he's doing – this season from a shot blocking standpoint is just really, really incredible. I think he was going into the game top 25 or top 15 or something in the country in block percentage. Yeah. Was 13 and a half percent or something. Yeah. So like, that's gotta be, (laughs) that's gotta be significantly higher now, uh, today, but, um, but yeah, just, yeah, you're really happy for him. Uh, like I said, he played inspired basketball yesterday and, uh, and, and if he can keep that going, I mean, um, maybe it unlocks something in the rest of the team. Like as, as the front court, you know, continues to get solidified, um, you know, maybe that kind of uh, maybe that kind of takes some pressure off the rest of the off the rest of the guys uh, defensively. Jason Munns, he's the commercial appeal beat writer of the Tigers. Can't beat him, I promise. He knows everything. So go read him every day. Jason, we'll talk again next Monday. Uh, I'll see you next Sunday in Birmingham. All right. Bye, Willow. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Jason Munns. we got to take a break. When we come back, Zach and I will look at the NFL weekend. What a weekend it was in the Divisional Series. That's next. Be sure to follow us at Sports56WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports56WHBQ.
Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56. Presented by Genesis of Olive Branch. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. It's a quality NFL player. This is why we love the National Football League. Baltimore dominates second half against the Texans. They sure look like the favorites to win the Super Bowl. 34-10 in that game. Zach Boyd, you mentioned the great play of Lamar Jackson in that game. Do you see anybody beating the Ravens? Because I don't. They're they're good on both sides of the ball. No, I don't. I Not right now. I think there's a lot of teams that have really good defenses that they could scheme up something to try to slow it down, but... I mean, it's it's going it's going to be really hard. If you put a spy on on Lamar and make him throw, he's he's going to find an open guy. I mean, right. it's it, it's and you know we're going to see something crazy. You're going to see in one family, Jim Harbaugh wins the national college championship, and then John wins the NFL championship. I mean, that's. Why not? That is crazy. San Francisco, in the rain. I told you this was going to be close. This was your only loss. You actually had the winner, but you didn't get the point spread. I had the winner, and I knew the point spread because I thought the rain was going to be tricky. What makes me feel good for San Francisco in this one, I mentioned it earlier, Brock Purdy had a comeback win. I think that's his first comeback win, isn't it? I think so. Off the top of my head, yeah. And... You know, by odds, we'll get into that in a second. It sure looks like it's going to be a San Francisco and a uh, Baltimore Super Bowl, which would be part two. The the, the, the the teams that both won in the regular season and got the bye, the top seeds, would be there for sure. Detroit holds off at home a, I think, a great story because I thought Tampa Bay, first of all, they had a very mediocre year. Uh, the the story here is that Baker Mayfield isn't going to get a contract. He's going to end up being the quarterback at that at that place for a while. Our good friend T.J. Reeves got a couple of good playoff checks out of the deal, <laughs> but Detroit wore him down. I mean, they they won the fourth quarter. They win at thirty one twenty three. They barely cover. We both win that game. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, like I knew I knew when uh, Detroit got another home playoff game that they were going to be rocking, and sure enough, like that was the case. Like, I mean. <laughs> Credit to Dan Campbell in that. In that oh yeah, group. it's a great story, and I, I honestly, I feel that game with the Niners and the Lions is going to be a lot closer than Baltimore and Kansas City. Although I think they're both great. Right. We'll give you the lines in a minute, but but uh, I, I think Detroit is going to give San Francisco a run for their money, and then Kansas City in that classic. Uh, did you see in the middle of that game? There was a graphic, and um, you know the, the the two teams play each other a lot. This was like their seventh game, and in the middle, when I believe Buffalo had the lead in the game, they showed the series in the last few years. Mm-hmm. That the, they were tied three and three, and the cumulative score from all six games 
including the seventh game, was 179 to 179. It's a little like if you look up the Bears and the Packers over all of time, going into this year, it was like a difference of one point right. between them. And this was tied at 179-179 in the second half. It was crazy. And, you know, here you go. You missed a field goal, and that's that's the difference in the game. Uh, and I, I feel bad for Buffalo fans. I feel bad for Josh Allen. I think he gave it his all. The difference in this game may be big play. San Francisco had a bunch of 20-plus yard plays, and Buffalo had zero. Besides the missed field goal, they had zero 20-plus yard plays. Yeah. I mean, I kind of I kind of had a feeling like Kansas City was going to – like I – you know, a lot of championship level uh, caliber teams, like they're going to prove to the world, like, yeah, no, even though we don't have, even though we they didn't have a great season to their standards and might miss a couple pieces here and there, that they still got it. And sure enough, I'm like, yeah, the kicker, yeah, I'm not going to fault the kicker too much because, you know, there, there are other plays to be made that lost in the game. For both, no, for, no doubt. For Buffalo, but and the kid yeah, actually it, he hit he he hit a he hit a good strike. Yeah, he just didn't take into account the strength of the wind, and that's what blew it right. It looked like to me when it first left his foot, we, we're 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 going to be tied, and that wind just kept taking it. So next week, and you and I will go over this on Friday and make our picks. Kansas City at Baltimore, the Ravens three and a half point favorites at home, Detroit at San Francisco, it's the Niners six and a half point favorites at home. And that'll end our Monday. It's all brought to you by Grind City Brewing. And you know, I love their, their slogan. Taking care of beerness in Memphis, and they've been doing that for a long time. This dream of a father and a son that became a fantastic reality, and their products are fantastic, too. One taste of Poppy's Pills. That's the Pilsner. Just what the doctor ordered, they say. It's fantastic. It is their number one seller. There's a reason. If you like pale ales, they got the God Hopper. That is, I think, number two. There's the Amber Lager called Thaddeus. There's the Blue Moonish, Belgian-style wheat ale. They call the Belga. There's the Tiger Tail. That's got a little extra kick to it. It's a craft malt liquor unlike any other. It's a taste of Memphis. It's taking care of beerness in Memphis. It's a great company called Grind City Brewing. We are appreciative of their partnership. That'll do it for us. Johnny Radio is right around the corner. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody.